today we have a few guests. One of them you're going to know, but they're from Maine Praise, uh, as Praise, P-R-A-Y-S. Hopefully I spelled that right. Yep. Kind of give you a little background here. These guys, uh, I originally met them two and a half years ago, and I'll just kind of go ahead and introduce you. It's John Eckhart. Most of you guys know John, uh, and uh, it's David and Kareth Stapp. Am I right with that? And, uh, and then, obviously, you guys know Leah. She's part of this. It's a, basically a main task force. Their, their heart is to basically to gather the believers all around our, our uh, state to have a continual prayer covering of fasting and prayer just over our state, that God would come and move. And uh, there's particular points, and they'll be telling you guys all that. But I'll just say this. I, I got invited to a, a regional meeting that they were doing where they were basically casting the vision of this. And, and I sat there uh, that day with uh, Robbie Curl. We, were, we went to it. And I sat there, and, and kind of two things happened. First, The first thing that happened, I said, man, I, I love what I'm hearing, and I definitely want our church to be a part. I think it's, I think it's God's will for us to be a part of this. And uh, the second thing that I, that I realized there was, man, there's no way I'm going to be able to communicate this as well as they are. And so after uh, basically the meeting was over, I went to the guys that are here today, and I just said, hey, what's the chances that you guys could come and just cast this vision to our church? And, uh, and they were very much... Uh, Right on the money. Actually, uh, the, the, actually, David and Kareth had to take a little stop to uh, Latvia. I said right to to adopt five children in the process. So th- these guys, so pumped for these guys. So, anyways, if you don't mind, man, I just I just want to tell you this. I think this is something significant from the Lord uh, to us. And uh, you know, yesterday when when uh, John and I were talking, and uh, you know, so many people view prayer as a burdensome thing. Amen. It, it should never be a burden to hang out with God. Amen. And, and that, that to think that here's the, the, the all-knowing God, all-powerful God, that he gives us the opportunity to partner with him and what he's doing. Blows my mind, right? And so, so part of today is this. It's not only what, what we want to go into afford as a church to increase our capacity in this area and to uh, you know, have greater intimacy with the Lord ourselves, but it's also, I, I love what God does. He always uh, connects us with something that's bigger than us. And, and this is something we can connect that's way bigger than us. It's a way bigger focus than what's happening in our lives. It's what's really happening in our state. And to connect to that and see what God can do. Amen? So if you can, just welcome Brother John Eckhart as he comes. So let, let me maybe say this to some of you guys don't, don't know. There's three men that are actually on our oversight board of our church. And uh, Brother John's one of those guys. Okay? So another guy is Mark Babin, who's up in the county. If you ever been to the county, man, they love saying the county. Uh, it's crazy. Almost as much as I like saying Alabama. Anyways, then uh, the other one's uh, my old pastor that's in North Carolina, Pastor Al Bryce. But uh, J- John has been, man, so supportive since we've been here and so encouraging. And, um, you know, some really, some right on moment words to just go, hey, keep pushing. And uh, so anyways, I'm just honored that these guys are here. So thank you for coming, John. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Amen. It's good to be here, and uh, good to see Roger and Karen. Good to see you. Amen. We have some wonderful history together, and it's always a blessing to see you guys. And uh, lots of new faces. Many of you I don't know. So, hi. How you doing? Good to see you. I don't know if we'll have a chance to get to know each other today, because you know how Sundays are after the service. Sometimes. We have to bolt, we have obligations and such, but we're going to hang around a little bit, and we'd love to just say hi and meet you uh, personally if we get a chance to today. Our, our purpose for being here today is um, 
Quinton brought it up this morning in our, in our talk before church. Uh, Habakkuk 2.2, there's a scripture that says, write the vision down, make it plain, that he who reads it can run with it. For it may not tarry much longer. Um, it's going to come to pass. And we are, we are really in such a wonderful time of history in this geography we lovingly call Maine. Um, how many of y'all are, are happy to be in Maine? Uh, how many of you are, are native? You're, you're Mainers through and through. Oh, God bless you. Amen. You are, you are a unique bunch. Yeah. We got so many transplants among us, don't we? I'm actually a transplant. I grew up uh, in South Detroit, kind of a rough part of the world. And in 1982, when I was 19 years old, the, the Lord put it on my heart to, to come to Maine and that he had a calling on my life to work and sow my life into Maine. And so as a, as a young, young man, I, I came here. I was here for three weeks, and I didn't know anybody. I drove up 95, got off on the Topsom exit. Uh, everyone says, well, how are we going to... I had a traveling companion, a friend with me I went to Bible school with. And he says, how are we going to know when to get off? I says, well, we'll know where to get off when we know where to get off. And we pulled off on Topsom, and as we pulled off, we realized there was no entrance ramp back onto 95 from Topsom. You had to go to Brunswick to get back on. And uh, so we said, well, this is, we're off and we're stuck. We're definitely off here. And uh, through, through amazing turns of events, the Lord just confirmed and affirmed to my heart over and over again that this is where he's called me. Uh, we've raised our family here. Um, we're celebrating 30 years of ministry here. Uh, we planted a church in Brunswick, Family Christian Fellowship, in 1988. And have just, I've, I've always felt compelled in ministry to, to walk together with others. It's been one of those driving values in my heart as a Christian minister that God has called us to be connected. We're not supposed to be alone. We're on the same team. We're supposed to be working together. How can we help each other? How can we encourage each other? And so much of that doesn't come to pass until... All of you locals and natives, after at least 10 years, you, you start to trust the people who live next door that moved here from a big city. Uh, and 20 years if they moved here from Massachusetts, amen? It takes, a, it takes a long time, amen? Just turn to the person next to you and ask them, are you from Massachusetts? Are you, are you one of those? So, so I've been working my entire adult life to striving, intending to work together. And all of a sudden, we find ourselves now in this season of Earth's history that it's like God is putting his finger on some things and saying, now is the time for this. So we're finding ourselves as Main Praise Task Force, which is just a compilation of leaders from around the state that have had a heart for prayer. Um, many of us from away also, not all of us, but many of us who have felt called here to work together. And over the course of time, we've, we've built relationships. We've, we've fallen terribly in love with each other. We're, we're, we, we feel covenantal in our love to each other, that God has connected us for his purposes. And we want to say, hi, Brian. Didn't see you sneak in there, brother. Everybody say hi to Brian. He says uh, that he knows in his own mind he has not snuck in. Um, 
that we have fallen in love with each other. As, as I said, we've fallen in love with each other. My eyes met Brian's at that same time, actually. Uh, that's why I couldn't help but say hello. Um, <laughs> I love you, man. Yeah. Um, and it's for a purpose. God connects us and gives us relationship for a purpose. So here's, here's the skinny. We, we, we feel as though that the Lord is, is, how about this word, military word, mustering his army of believers that he has raised up in Maine and others that he's called from away to be a part of this army that he is preparing uh, in Maine for some things that, when we look back in 10 years, we're, we are going to marvel at what the Lord had planned, what he is going to do next week and next month that we don't know now because we don't have the benefit of hindsight. But in 10 years, we'll look in the rearview mirror and we'll see all these wonderful things and we'll say, oh my Lord, you've been so good to us. But we don't get it alone uh, there, there, are, there, are, there are rules in the kingdom. I know sometimes we, we get so wrapped up in grace, we think there are no rules. But there are rules. Uh, kingdom life is a team sport. We're supposed to do it together, not alone. We are, we're, we're supposed to have a right motive and clean hands and a pure heart. And, you know, the Lord, everything is laid bare before the eyes of the Lord. He, he sees our intentions. He sees our, our tendencies. The Bible says he sees our leanings and our bendings. These are all important. The Lord's addressing them in our individual lives, and many of you I know can identify with that. The, the, the little heart surgery kind of example that we were imprinted with again this morning. Um, I like to think of that as, as I live my life, I think I'm pretty good. You know, and, as, and if I were to have responded, and I did, to what you said this morning, Quentin, about, uh, about you letting the Lord um, do a surgery on my heart again, um, I know that in a month or two that he may put his finger on something else that I don't even know is there right now and say, John, I want to open up this closet and I want to, I want to deal with this. And, and, and we may find ourselves in a situation where we're saying, Lord, I, I didn't even know that was there. But, but I've trusted you and I've loved you through the years and I know that if you say you want to touch that, that your plan for me is not to harm me. Right? Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. But it's to, do, it's to do me good and to prosper me and to help me. And so as the Lord calls us and musters us, some of us out of our lethargy, some of us out, out of our jadedness, some of us we've walked with the Lord and we've seen so many things come and go that we've become cold-hearted to, to whatever is next and saying, well, who knows what it will turn out to be, will it last? And then here we are on, 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 the, on the precipice of a great outpouring of his spirit and his kindness to us. And we can find ourselves sitting on the sidelines because of personal stuff. So the Lord's dealing with all that because he's mustering his army in Maine to rise up in corporate uh, 24-7 prayer. There's a, there's a scripture in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, if you want to write it down. I, don't, I, don't know if, I think we do have it. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 that encourages us to pray without ceasing. Actually, as, as you, if you're a theologian at all, you know that the scripture wasn't written to you. It was written, that scripture was written to the Thessalonians. That's why their name is on the, the chapter beginning. But it was written for you and preserved for us. But it wasn't written specifically to us. It was written to a group called the Thessalonians. 
And what we can discern from that, understand from that, is there was a group called the Corinthians and the Colossians and the Ephesians and the Galatians and all these other groups that the, these New Testament letters were written to. And that was not written to any of the others to pray without ceasing. But Paul, having a fatherly care for them and a leadership oversight of them, was sensing by the Spirit of God that they needed to pray without ceasing. And interestingly, now as modern believers, we read 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. And we, we, because we are so individualistic in, the, in most societies of the earth, that, that we, don't, we don't catch the corporate nature of that verse. We, we read it through individual, an individual lens. And we say, pray without ceasing. How is that even possible? And we give up before we even start. Because... I work, got kids, have responsibilities, and you know there there is this sports team called the Patriots, and I, I do have to give them at least some attention. And and then then we've got that other team, you know, that baseball team. What what are, what are they? You know, the Red Sox or something like that. And you know, so in sports season, I'm going to give my time to this, and I've got my hobbies, and I live in Maine, and it's it's the great outdoors, and I love to go hunting. How can no praying without ceasing? It's like God's commanding something impossible from. Me, because I'm me-centric. But here again, if we were to discern that verse, it was written to a geographical group of people, a, a corporate group in a geography of the earth called Thessalonica, hence the Thessalonians. They had a mandate spoken to them by the Apostle Paul and the Spirit of God to pray without ceasing. Well, here we are in Maine. We're not the Corinthians. We're not the Thessalonians. We have to discern what is the Holy Spirit saying to us. He never requires of us anything that is beyond or apart from the Scripture. The Scripture is our baseline of anything. We can, we can, whatever God says to us, we can test it against the Scripture and say, is this something that God has ever said or required? And certainly, if we are hearing God say to us in this state, this army of believers called the Church of Maine, pray without ceasing. That we can know that that's the Spirit of God. We can can test it against the Scripture. We can test the Spirit of it by saying, all of us as believers, we're, we're one faith, one Lord, one baptism, right? One Spirit. And as we have begun to talk to other churches and groups of believers about mustering an army that is devoted And finding a way to pray without ceasing, to be a part of this move of God's Spirit in our day, we haven't found anyone yet that says, that's not God. Every believer that we've spoken to has either said, hmm, that sounds like it could be God, I've got to think about it. And that's probably only maybe a handful of hundreds. But the vast majority are immediately registering in their hearts, this is the Lord. The Lord is raising this up. There have had to be some things that take place before anything this can work. Um, That one of the things that we are constantly fighting for uh, as a task force is that this doesn't get hung around our neck. That this isn't John Eckhart's idea of what prayer needs to happen. This is the Holy Spirit's idea of what prayer needs to happen. And many who have heard the Holy Spirit saying the same thing are now counseling and, and, and meeting together and saying, how can we work together 
to bring our gifts to bear to facilitate what the Holy Spirit wants to do. That this, is, this would be a nameless, faceless move of God. We don't need a celebrity to endorse it. We don't need a popular leader to stick their name on it. We're, we're doing everything we can that our names and our faces don't get attached to this because this is not something that we've dreamed up. It's not something we're generating. We believe Holy Spirit is moving on the state of Maine in the hearts of the believers to stir us to become a prayer warrior, glorious army, preparing the state for what God wants to do. So that kind of segues me into um, the, the, the purpose of, of prayer, the purpose of an army that is a praying army of believers, giving themselves, devoting themselves to prayer, which uh, that, that phrase, devoting ourselves to prayer, should ring a bell if we're a student of the word. In Acts chapter 2, I believe it is, um, right around the end of the chapter, that early church, uh, they're, they're having wonderful success. And it, it gives the four keys of their success. It says those believers in Jerusalem, that, that, that first generation church of Jesus Christ, they, they were devoting themselves to uh, fellowship, that means partnership in the work, breaking of bread, the teaching of the apostles, and they devoted themselves to prayer. So they were, they, were, they were praying bunch, and I think we all know that, and sometimes our prayer lives can all falter because, you know, we, it just seems maybe empty and shallow and weak at times. But, but the Lord honors that. He, he hears us even in our weakness. Amen? So prayer, if it's, if it's corporate preparatory prayer, that would mean there's three things that I believe it should be, and this is what we're teaching. So you want to write this down. It, it, it will be incubatory, kind of a fancy word. Um, it's kind of like in the beginning of creation, the Spirit of the Lord was hovering over the surface of the deep. And theologians, Hebrew theologians, tell us that he was, he, it was like he was warming, making ready, or incubating the elements for God to speak the word and for, for all that we see and know to be created. The Spirit of the Lord was, was prepping that. So prayer today has an element to it that is preparing whatever is today for what God wants to do with it tomorrow. Incubatory. Does that make sense? It's also protective. It's like a shield. And we find in Ephesians chapter 6 the importance of prayer. And the Bible says pray with all manner of prayer. There's warfare prayer. There's prayer of agreement. There's, there's singing our prayers, which we call praise. Which We, we prayed together this morning. And we, and we felt the Lord's response, didn't we? We, 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 we sensed that he smiled on us, that he, that he extended a hand of blessing over us as we sang our prayers, which we call praise and worship to him. Um, so there's, there's this protective thing. It, 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 it creates a, if you will, a, a, a bubble of protection that shields us from that which is without, intruding into God's purposes that are functioning within. So it's incubatory, a prayer shield, a prayer canopy. It's protective, but it's also advancing. And that's kind of the part that we, that we oftentimes forget. 
Um, prayer is, is, is moving. How many times have you ever said, man, I wish as Christians we'd be ahead of the game. I, I, wish, I wish we'd get ahead of the devil so that when he does something, we're not always responding to what he's doing and trying to fix something or give an answer to something that has transpired. When is the church going to be in a position where we're initiating the battle rather than responding to the attack? When, when, will, our, when will our posture um, be less defensive and more offensive? I mean, isn't the kingdom of God supposed to be more like a steamroller than the guy holding the sign saying, no, no, stop, wait, ah! You know, and, and so often we're in the kingdom of God, we're trying to revive the guy that's holding the sign that just got run over by the devil's steamroller. Isn't it really time that Christians are no, not so much afraid of the devil, but that the demons that are in this land are afraid of Christians? I mean, isn't there, isn't there a shift taking place? There is. And so this, a, a prayer can't be a prayer shield as, as we are mustered together and then marshaled into our correct spot within that prayer movement. We find that the church of Jesus stops being apologetic and becomes the driver of the steamroller. It's forward moving. It's advancing. And I don't know if you've uh, come out of a traditional Type church. I, I grew up Lutheran. I'm really messed up in my background. Uh, my, my family heritage is Jewish, and I grew up Lutheran. Um, I got baptized uh, by, with the Wesleyans, and I got actually discipled with a group of Mennonites. And so I, I, I'm a mutt. And I, any other mutts among us? Yeah, lots of us are mutts. Yeah, amen. Um, I remember in, in, in the Lutheran church growing up, we, we, were, we would recite the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed. And, and, and part of those creeds is, I believe in one holy apostolic church. That doesn't mean Jesus only, like, you know, that kind of apostolic. And it doesn't mean necessarily like apostles and prophets. It means apostolic in nature. It's, it's military and it's advancing. Apostolic means military-minded and advancing. Uh, to someone in the day, if, if you were to, to speak to someone in, in Jesus' time when you know, in the first century, uh, show me an apostle, uh, they wouldn't first show you Peter or Paul as a religious leader. They'd go to the military barracks and they'd find the general because the word apostle means a military general. And so when Jesus chose those 12 out of the disciples and called those 12 apostles, it was very clear to, to all of those who were with Jesus what he was doing. He was building a strategy for advancement of his kingdom. And those apostles knew what their job was. Their job was not to uh, do religious stuff. Their job was to advance the agenda of their king. They were the advancers. And so that word apostolic means advancing. And so when we, when we muster together and, and begin to identify ourselves as part of this prayer army, and every believer has a place in this army, even, even the believer who thinks of himself like maybe you do is more insignificant than maybe someone else. You're, you're a private. But even the private has a place and a role in the army and very pivotal roles. My dad in the Korean conflict was a private, but he was a driver. 
and he drove generals around safely. Privates have important roles in the army. So even if we think of ourselves as insignificant, the truth is we're really not. Every role, every position, every function is very, very important to the success of the kingdom. Amen? And Paul said it like this, we're a body, we're many members, and even the little pinky and the little toe, you know, we, we, we can't diminish the importance of that, right? They're important. God designed that into our human bodies. Who are we to say it's not important? God saw that it was important enough to design into us, amen? So it's like that in an army. So a prayer canopy, a prayer covering is incubatory, it's protective, it's advancing, What is peculiar to the vision that we see for our state is that it's a multi-layered kind of canopy. That it's a canopy that is made up of individual believers uh, in groups that are praying, that are just contending in prayer. Um, They're unafraid. They're they're, they're willing to risk. They're they're speaking the word. They're telling the devil where to go, where to get off. Amen? Um, And then there's also that worship component of of intimacy and and, uh, letting the Lord have us and to to touch our heart, that transparent part, which we would call in our vernacular in church more of a a, a worshiping kind of prayer. So we have the get-or-done group, um, and then we've got those that are much more, I just want to, I just, my prayer time is just singing to the Lord. Well, that's cool. That's intimate. That, that's, that devotional part is as equally important as the get or done part. Now, I don't know about you, but I've, I've, got, I've got kind of a dichotomy at work in myself. You know, I, I can be Larry the Cable Guy. You know, get her done. You know, nothing else matters. Get out of the way, get her done. Well, I'm thinking, like, maybe, quiet. We're just going to get her done. But then you've also got that, that, that lover, that uh, tender component to prayer that is crying in his presence, where you're feeling his, his touch upon your life and saying there is nothing more important than this. So a prayer canopy can't just be all a bunch of workers, but also worshipers and lovers who are at work in the kingdom. So multidimensional. And then also this canopy, there are many who, who really are graced to have prayer events, worship nights, prayer tours. How many of you have ever been part of an intercessory group? And, you know, the word goes out, there's, there's going to be, uh, well, we, we did one as, as some uh, elders in the state of Maine, uh, Maine Awake, where we just did tours of major cities and had prayer events and a schedule um, all that's part of that prayer canopy because that is, that, that's rallying us, inspiring us in prayer. Because here's the thing. Prayer by itself can be a flash in the pan. It can be a sprint. But a solid, healthy prayer life is not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's a, it's a long-distance race. There's endurance to it. And, and we, we, have to, we have to have strategies to make that sustainable. And one of of the greatest strategies for sustainability is we have to keep it interesting. We have to keep everybody inspired. I also grew up in that church that I mentioned earlier where we'd have prayer meetings and everyone, you know, five or six or ten or twelve people would stand in a circle and you'd each just, you'd just pray for yourselves. 
until eventually I just quit going. I was so totally bored with praying for myself and helping others pray for themselves that that I, I just I just says I, I'd, I'd rather go to the dentist than you know <laughs> go to the prayer meeting. Uh, does anyone have a needle they could stick in my eye? It would it would relieve the pain of the boring prayer meeting. Uh, so so we found that 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 there are that there are ways to pray. And, and part of what we want to do as, as, as a task force is make resources available that, that can keep us in, inspired and, 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 and joyful in our prayer. Jesus said this. He says, my burden is easy and my load is light. And so we're not looking to heap a prayer burden on people. But we're looking to encourage people, give them, give them doorways to, to enter in and participate. So we're appealing to churches we're appealing to businesses. Uh, one of the campaigns for governor uh, is in contact with us, and they're, they're signing up for an hour a week, a, a political campaign. says, we're Christians. We're always asking people to pray for us. We want to be part of the prayer army that is praying for the state, not just takers. We want to be givers. I'm thinking, praise God. Um, all these different Spheres of society that, that, that make us up as a people. Um, prayer is bubbling up and emerging. And so what we need to do as main, as main Praise Task Force is to catalog what is going on. Many, many groups are already praying. We don't want to take this thing over. We just want to help facilitate a 24-7 prayer canopy. So where is their prayer already taking place? And for the rest of us who want to pile into this move of the Spirit then where are all the holes and how can we do this not alone? How can we do it as churches, big groups, taking blocks of time, committing ourselves as a church, saying, we'll, we'll take that watch right there in prayer. And then other groups, maybe a business will only be able to take an hour a week or two hours a week, but together we can really be effective and we, and we are powerful, we just don't know it sometimes. Amen? Amen? Amen. So that's kind of the, the vision. That's what this is about. David, you want to give us kind of the, the bridge and the segue into business stuff. This is David Staff. Everybody say hi, David. Hey. Thanks, John. Don't you love this guy? If you don't love John, you need to get to know him because you will when you, when you do. So great, great friend of mine for a long time. And uh, my name is David Stapp. I'm the, the owner and CEO of a, a company, Peregrine Turbine Technologies in Wiscasset, Maine. Long-time commitment to the Lord, long-time commitment to ministry, and in a quote-unquote lay fashion. I won't go down that path, but by now you might have a vision in your head about what, what we're talking about, and maybe it looks like a little bit of what was happening when we came in the door here this morning, where there's music playing, people are walking back and forth, praying and doing what they do, worshiping, and, uh, and certainly that's appropriate. But I, I want to expand your thinking a little bit this morning about what it looks like to to be part of a prayer movement. As a businessman, I have a passion for this, and so I'm just learning how to think outside the box myself. But one of the things that I'm a real fan of is diagnostics. I'm one of those weird people that loved taking tests because I always liked to know where I was at, you know. So I'm going to give you a a few diagnostic tools this morning. Uh, I'm going to speak primarily to People who are business owners, great thing about the state of Maine is almost everybody owns their own business. So there's probably a lot of you in here. But this also applies to people who are working for other companies, so don't think I'm not talking to you either. But let's start by thinking about 
uh, how we look at prayer and the church and the secular versus sacred. So I'm, gonna, I'm a visual guy, so I've got to put up a few diagrams. I'm going to talk real fast because i only got about 10 minutes here. But let's start with, with one of the three models I'm going to show you. And uh, I'm trying to leave enough space here. I know it's kind of hard for some of you to see far away. But let's say on the left-hand side we have the secular. And that includes your recreation, your business, Maybe even your family or relationships. We'll call it relationships. On the other side, you have the sacred. Wow, it's going to be really hard to read my shaky writing. Let me get on this side here. So we have church, and I mean that in the sense of the place you go to worship on Sundays. So I'm not talking about the, the church triumphant, the body of Christ. Uh, church prayer, and by that I mean personal personal devotions. Uh, I'll just write it that way: devotions, tithing, for example, or giving. So you have these two categories, and the one thing you should notice about the way I've got it depicted here is that they don't intersect at all. You got you got your life, oh, and then you got church, the sacred, right? Now, in reality. This, this person, probably not doing a lot of prayer, probably not doing a lot of devotion, probably not even doing much tithing, maybe not even going to church. This person might, this, this can describe the worldview of a person who's not even a believer. They see the, the sacred as something other, and this is where they live. And then some of us, you know, and I can, I can, I'm pointing at myself when I talk about this as, an, as a younger man. Go to church Sunday morning. That's where the sacred lives. You're there. You've got a certain amount of time. You're punching out the list. When you're done, you go back and you live over here for the rest of the week. In fact, there was a time in my life where I used to think, I think I could go two weeks, just like once every other week going here. And, and I still feel good by the time I'm like ready to go back. It was almost like getting your batteries charged. I mean, my, my mindset has changed considerably, just so you don't worry about me here. So here's, here's the next way to look at it. And this is, this is the person that maybe, maybe just got saved, or maybe even they're a longtime follower of Jesus Christ. And now these two spheres intersect. Sacred, I can get it right. Okay, so you have this little area where the two circles come together. So now there's this, this curious sort of crossover going on, and you got you still have... Your business over here, maybe family. But now in here you got tithe. Oh, that's a big one. Because now the sacred and the secular intersect because part of what used to be only over here is now crossing the threshold, right? And, and your, your church attendance is still over here. Maybe you have a little bit of devotional time. You're reading the word. You're learning. And that's great. And you, you can't really have this intersection unless you've received Jesus Christ as your Savior, because that's where the road starts, right? So, <clears throat> there's still a problem with this, because there's lordship issues, right? And, and one of the things, we, we were really good at learning the, 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 uh, the gift of grace, the fact that we need the blood of Jesus Christ covering us to be worthy of fellowship with a, with a perfect God. We all get that. But it turns out there's, there's about... 26 different thrones in your life 
in different categories. Some of them are your finances. Some of them are family and relationships. Some of them is your work. And so what I'd like to propose to you today is that in the context of your life, really, I was going to try to narrow it down. In the context of everything, um, there's, there's only one way for us to be successful in this life and walk the, walk the life and live the abundant life that Jesus Christ promised. And that is that if this little circle here, the secular, which I, I used to call the secular, but it's not really secular anymore if it's inside the circle, is living inside the sacred. Now, that sounds like blasphemy maybe to somebody who's used to sort of, uh, what's the word, legalism or whatever, because <clears throat> we tend to think of, of everything in life not being holy or set apart. But when Jesus came and shed his blood on the cross, <laughs> I can hardly say this without getting emotional every time. The veil was rent from the top to the bottom. The holy was no longer separated from the, from the secular. This is what Jesus did when he split that veil. Your business is right in here. So if, if while John was talking, you had this mental image in your mind that, that prayer is something that happens in this building or something that happens in your prayer closet. We love that word, prayer closet. It's supposed to happen in your business. And, and as a businessman, I'm committing a certain period, portion of my time and, and the time of people in my business who want to participate within the walls of my business to commit their time to prayer and worship, and seeking the Lord. And guess what? All the money is now in there, too. All the revenues of my business, all my personal income. It's not, it's not about 10% anymore. It's about everything. And I will count it a failure in my life if I die with more than about 100 bucks in the bank. And hopefully some of that will go to my kids, too. But the, the bottom line is... You're here, this is not the payoff. Get that out of your head. If you think it's about like retiring and going off and and playing golf or fishing every weekend, this is not the payoff. Get it out of your mind. This is where you have a job to do. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, he's empowering you to do this. Now, some of you are business owners and you've had words spoken over you. Hope I'm not running over time here. Uh, I guess I'll say this before I get onto that. Um, so the point here is that we're looking for business owners to make a commitment in their place of business to, to make prayer and worship a focus of their business. And believe me, you won't believe the blessing that will come out of that. So, so when, I, when I say all the money is in here, it's like, oh, no, here we go. The reality is God is waiting all day long to pour out an amazing blessing on your business and on your employees, on your people. And sometimes we tie his hands because we're not willing to give, us, give him all of us, right? So uh, Pastor Quentin earlier gave me permission or gave us permission to, to share if, the, if we felt like the Lord was giving us a, a word of some kind. And I just know that the Lord was giving me a word for somebody and probably several of you in this room this morning while we were worshiping. I, I just felt... There are some of you in this room who have a business. You started a business. There were prophetic words spoken over you. There were words of blessing. 
God revealed to you that he was on your side and that he was fighting for you and he made things happen that, that couldn't have happened any other way. And you've been asking the question, like me, Lord, why, why did you pick me? Why are you, why are you blessing me? I mean, I know, I, I know for a fact it's not because I'm better than anybody else. I'll tell you that right now. And, uh, and I look at my own failings and the things that I've done wrong and the way I've disappointed God in, in my past. And I ask the question, why are you doing this? Why are you being such a good dad? And I felt the Lord wanted me to share with somebody here today that it's not just that it's the, the, the blood of Jesus covers everything. Because even the disciple Paul said God counted him faithful. He didn't count him righteous. He didn't even count him good. He just counted him faithful. And what the Lord said to me is there's somebody in this room that when everything was coming down around you, you stepped up. You stepped in and you said, I'm the only one here. I got to do something. And you didn't turn your back and you didn't walk away. You didn't run away. You didn't hide. You stood up. And guess what? You probably failed miserably. You probably fell down, and now you spent a lot of time in your life saying, I'm a failure. And so every time challenge comes your way and you feel alone, fear is overwhelming because you know your track record. You know that you're going to drop the ball because you can't do it in your own strength. And the Lord wants you to hear today that he chose you because you were faithful, not because you were good, not because you were capable or competent, He chose you because you were faithful. And because of that faithfulness, he's going to exalt you and reward you and meet every area where you don't cut it, where you're not enough, where you dropped the ball before. And it's because you showed up. That's it, because you showed up. So if you're a business owner and and you feel this, when when we came in this place this morning, there was a grace for prayer on this place. Did you, guys, did you guys sense that? I mean, I don't come to this church, so I don't know what it's like every Sunday, but Pastor Quinn said there was, there was a shift somehow. And when I came into this room, I, I couldn't do anything except uh, give Leah a quick hug and then, then come running to the front here and just start worshiping and praying because there's a grace on this place. There's a grace on you people for something great. And that something great is fellowship with the master of the universe and watching what amazing miracles he does on your behalf because you made yourself available. And that's all I got. I'm not sure how I follow that one up, but it's awesome. Thank you, honey. I'm Kareth Stapp, and I'm David's wife, and uh, both David and I live in Bremen, Maine. And uh, we've known John Eckhart and Leah for a long time, and so we're blessed to be a part of this this group that's uh, forming and uh, just inviting. We just definitely sense that uh, we're not inviting you guys to into something, but God is inviting all of us into what He has for us to do, um, what He how He wants to reveal Himself, how He wants to manifest His presence 
in our churches, in our businesses, in our small groups, in our families, in our communities, uh, all around the state of Maine, to see transformation happen. Because that's really his heart, isn't it? Is that that not? He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should have eternal life. And eternal life starts now. It's not just eternal life after I die and I go to heaven and I'm with Jesus. Eternal life is that we know Him, and and we know Him now. Isn't that awesome? So that eternal life, like David was saying, you know, this is not the payoff, but at the same time, there is a payoff right now, right here, when we step into this movement of prayer that the Lord is stirring and that he is going to be blessing us and blessing others, and we're going to see transformation in the state of Maine. And it's not because a few intercessors off in the corner were praying for the state of Maine. Does that make sense? That this is, this is about all of us gathering together, you know, the whole church coming together. And the thing is that what's happened is that there, there have been pockets and there are people that have been praying for, the, for revival in New England, praying for revival in Maine, because the Lord has given prophetic words over the years for New England, and for Maine um, that, that he wants to stir, he wants to bring revival. And so people have been praying for a long time. And they have been sowing seeds. They have been, you know, faithfully praying. But I, what we're sensing is the Lord saying, okay, now it's time to unite under uh, and, and with like an initiative that can, that can bring everyone together sort of in the same uh, lockstep. You know, an army moves together, right? together in step and they know which way they're going right and someone is got a plan and got a strategy and that's the holy spirit it's not even really us but this we really sense that this strategy is from the holy spirit and so the the way we can unite is one of the ways we can unite is that um main praise will be um putting out for all the different churches and the groups um, a list of prayer points. So one of the ways we can unite is that we can all be praying the same thing. And that can help bring some unity uh, amongst the body. And that we know that we're not the only people praying for this, but all across the state, thousands of people are going to be praying the same prayer points that have the same kind of focus. The, the, the same focus is happening. And those prayer points are going to change month to month. Some are going to probably remain the same or be similar. Uh, some of the prayer points will be related to um, the government or to businesses. Uh, one of the prayer points is praying um, for John 17 unity. Another one uh, for this month is praying for the awakening of the churches. Another one is for the renewal of the godly roots of our educational system. Another one is praying for wise, godly government that aligns with biblical principles. And each of the prayer points is scripture. So that as you're praying, you're not praying, you know, your own sort of, you know, words and imagination. I mean, obviously God uses our words, uh, but we want it bathed really in the scripture so that we are all also praying the scripture um, over our state and over ourselves, over our families and, and, and neighborhoods and whatnot. And so the prayer points are really going to help sort of all of us feel like, okay, you know, we're in this together and we're moving together and we've got a unity of spirit um, and mind and heart. So that's something that I personally have been really excited about. Um, and the other, uh, so we have a website called mainpraise.org. 
And that is a way that prayer coordinators, so if you're, for instance, this church's prayer contact person will be Leah Carl. And so then she will be coming up later to talk about how this church is going to get involved. But, you know, if you have a prayer group or if you have a women's, you know, Bible study or a men's Bible study or if there's some smaller group or your business, uh, you can go on and uh, you can... um, uh, fill out a, a form, an online sort of a form, and then uh, someone from Main Praise will contact you, talk about it, and then we'll, you can fit yourselves in. You can say, well, we already meet every Wednesday or you know, whatever it might be, um, or we want to do this Monday mornings every week or what have you. Then we slot you in, and the reason for that is, again, so we can sort of fill in the gaps. Some people might, you know, sign up and say, you know, well, where's an open spot? And then, and then that'll help, help us sort of, because the goal is to have this 24-7 uh, prayer canopy. And it'll be layered, you know what I mean? There's going to be, hopefully, a lot of uh, churches, a lot of groups involved, so that number of churches will be maybe on the same Saturday or the same Monday, after, you know, or whatever. Um, and so it can be as small as one or two two-hour slots or a six-hour slot, 12-hour slot, 24-hour slot um, um, of time. And so that's sort of the nuts and bolts. The, the, the website is going to be able to help sort of with the nuts and bolts of things of signing up, but also, you know, that's where some resources will be with the prayer points and other things like that. Um, there's also going to be, we're, we're planning to do some blogs and so that that people can go and read some things on prayer or how to pray the word or different, you know, things because, you know, not all of us are in the same place in prayer. Some of us are just starting out. And so we are also interested in maybe doing even some sessions like around the state where people can get some training in prayer or meet with others who are doing prayer and to learn more. So there's going to be different sort of levels to all of this that's going to be developing over this next year that we're really, again, really excited about as well as the events. So that's sort of the the nuts and bolts of things. I think there's several things that that I will share just from my own personal experience with this is that I have always had a desire for for the state of Maine in prayer and for revival. And I'm I'm seeing in this initiative the real opportunity for all the disparate groups who have been praying around the state who haven't known each other to actually be starting to connect and network so that we can, and that is so encouraging and inspirational when we start to meet each other and pray with each other and go to events and we see that people are all over the place playing, praying the same things and praying for revival in Maine. And I mean, it's just, it's so exciting to start to see uh, the dry bones come together and the flesh start to come on and God is going to breathe his spirit into this army. And we're, like John said, we're just, we're going to just be so amazed and so excited to see what God does uh, in a very real sense. Um, many people, and one of the things that I want to talk about really quickly is contending and intimacy. A lot of times when we think of intercessory prayer, we think of contending. We think of of an issues that are close to our heart, and we're praying against abortion, or we're praying against gay marriage, or we're praying, you know, for this, that, or the other thing, or we're praying against certain bills or whatnot. And those things are important, um, but the important thing that we want to try, and we're trying, I believe, to communicate, is that this is about an intimacy with the Father. 
that we, that God is calling us to his heart. He is calling us to himself. And that the contending comes out of the intimacy as, as John mentioned, we're in the process of adopting five children from Latvia. And I'll tell you what, I have heard, you know, we are adopted into the family of God and these kinds of words all my life. Until you're actually adopting somebody, you don't really understand how much they don't understand what being in a family is. And and the the challenges that come with that, but also, you know, the joy in watching somebody who hasn't who is an orphan come into a family and really under, start to understand what that means is really very exciting and satisfying. And the Lord spoke to me and said, this is what I want for my church. So many times we all walk around with the orphan spirit, right? And, and we're alone, and it's up to us. And if I don't do it, no one's going to do it. And we hold our secrets, and we don't tell anybody our hurts or our heart or what's going on. And, and so we come to church, and, yeah, we've got fellowship, or we worship, or we listen to the word. Uh, but there's still inside of us that orphan spirit. And what the Lord wants in our hearts and in our lives is that we would fully come into a relationship with him as Abba Father, that we would fully come into a place where we recognize we are a part of a family. And when we all can get that into our hearts, then we're all together as brothers and sisters in a very real and powerful sense. And that's what the enemy is afraid of. He wants to keep us separated. And it's out of that intimacy then that we can contend, that we can contend for each other. We can contend for the, the kingdom of God, to see the kingdom right here on earth as it is in heaven. Isn't that what, what, God, what Jesus taught us to pray? And, and so, but we can't contend as orphans. We can't. We can't do it. We cannot see transformation happen when we still have that orphan spirit in us. And so I want to just, just share that with you. Uh, that that's something the Lord's really been just really bringing home to me because of our, our personal experience. And that that's, you know, part of this prayer movement is to see that, that out of that intimacy comes the contending. That is the bottom line. It, it truly is. Out of everything that we've said and done over the past few months of putting this together, every time we've come together, we have talked about the bottom line is our hearts uniting with the Father's heart. Uniting together knowing him, that individuals, businesses, families, churches, groups of people come in to hear what the Father is saying, hear his word, speak his word back to him, declare it and decree it so that things are shifted on this earth, that the kingdom of heaven is here and the will of God is done here on earth as it is in heaven. And that's been the bottom line. So I want us to do something that actually Pastor Quentin did this morning. I want us to say again the thing that he asked us to say, and it was, um, and I want you to repeat after me, God, today we step in. So what is the key word in there to you? We. 
You know, when he had us do that this morning, and all of a sudden I started thinking, because we've, we're talking about the body of Christ, we as a group. And yes, as individuals, yes, if we, we need to have our own individual intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. We cannot rely on those around us and just go along with the crowd, because sooner or later that crowd isn't around you. You've got yourself. But this is different. God is calling us as a church, as a region, as people, as a nation. He's calling us, I believe, very strongly into some things as the body of Christ. So if I want to go somewhere and my body says, yes, we're going to go here, but my leg says, mm-mm, I don't want to go. Well, I mean, I really can't go anywhere unless I cut my leg off. I can't go. So God is saying to us today, we, or we are saying to him, we step in. We have the mind of Christ is what the scripture says. It doesn't say I do. It says we as the body of Christ have the mind of Christ. And so we are going to step in. Not as individuals. As we as the body of Christ. We are saying God you are saying something. You know this past week we all know Billy Graham passed away. There was significance in that. Big significance. And I, I, I knew in my spirit when I read it that morning, I was like, wow, this is really something of significance is taking place right now. Great, amazing man of God with much humility, continued on, contended in what God had called him to do. And I heard, like a day later, I heard this prophecy that was given years ago by, by a couple of uh, men in the uh, body of Christ. And one of them was just giving prophecy about, you know, there's a hidden group of people, people who have been tested and tried in tribulation. And these hidden group of people, pockets all over, are there. And they've, they've learned how to pray. They've learned how to really trust who God is. They've really have gone through some deep stuff. And these people, this, this man was prophesying, these people are going to step out. These people are going to come out. These people are going to step up. There's going to be a move of God. There's going to be a power of a revival and all this. And the other man interrupted him and said, and you know when that's going to happen? When Billy Graham passes. This was years ago. He said there are two men. He mentioned Oral Roberts and Billy Graham. He said Oral Roberts has already passed. And when Billy Graham passes, there is going to be such a ushering in of the power and the presence of God. So I believe, we believe, we have felt in our heart that it is time. The very first meeting that I went to with these guys back in November was urgency. There, it is time to possess the inheritance and inherit the land, inherit the earth that God has given to us. When you read in Joshua, I believe it's 13, 14, 15, some of those chapters where the tribes began to go into the promised land and take the promised land. There was one tribe that said, well, you didn't give us, you know, we don't have enough. And Joshua said, yes, you do. You just got to go in and clear the land. It's yours. This is yours. You go do this. You go do what you need to do. This land is yours. And I believe that it's time. And I believe that God has said, we've been hidden. There's pockets of you even here that you've been praying. And I think it was Carrots that said, we've had these pockets, but now is the time. That God is saying, let's unite together, not just as this church, but as this state. There are people and uh, churches and businesses and groups across the state that are, that are joining together. And the mainpraise.org website is a place, as Kara said, that we can do that uniting. It is still a little bit under construction, so there are some pages that we're still working on. But you can go there, you can sign up, which, which we will actually sign up as a church. But if you as a family... Say, you know, once a month, once a week, 
This is what we as a family want to do. You can do that. There'll be events on there that show us how to connect, how to do the, I believe it was in January, was the hands around the Capitol. You'll be able to go and say, hey, I can be a part of that. I can go join my brothers and sisters that are from all over the state to do this. I want to read something really quick to you as we close out this part here. In 1794, conditions after the American Revolution had reached their worst. Drunkenness was epidemic. Profanity was the most shocking. For the first time in history, women were afraid to be out at night. Bank robberies happened daily. This is out of our history in 1775 to 1783. In 1794, conditions had reached their worst. Of course, dire circumstances never open the unlimited resources of heaven but prayer opens the unlimited resources of heaven. A Baptist minister, Isaac Bacchus, known as much for his praying as for his exhorting, had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And the impression that was left upon him was there's only one power on earth, power on earth that commands the power of heaven, and that's prayer. So he wrote plea for prayer for revival of religion and mailed it to ministers of every denomination in the United States, pleading each pastor to set aside the first Monday of each month as a time to open his church all day in order to conduct extraordinary prayer for revival. As a result, people humbled themselves, began to cry out to the Lord, and God poured upon them the spirit of supplication, burning, believing, prevailing, persuading, persevering, intimate prayer always precedes a move of God. The intercession of Bacchus and those who joined him fanned the fires of revival during 1798 in New England. Churches were unable to accommodate those inquiring about salvation. Multitudes were won to the Lord. As the flames of revival were fanned, new fires were kindled. First, a solitary man had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. This part of what we're asking the Holy Spirit to do with us. Give us an encounter first with you. We don't need to necessarily repeat all these things and think, oh, if we don't have this exactly like they did in 1798, then we missed it. No, that's not what we're saying. The first and foremost is God is calling us into intimate relationship with him. Second, a solitary man initiated an effort. Third, a united prayer emphasis developed. And fourth, Revival came. So what we're going to do as the Anchor Church, our part in this and coming together, is we have signed up for the second Monday of every month right now. I have a feeling this is going to shift and change, and we'll be doing it a little bit more. For now, we have signed up for the second Monday of every month. It will begin March 12th from 1 p.m. to 7 p.m. In the next two weeks, we're going to have uh, sheets in the back for slots for you to sign up. You can actually go back. You can sign up for 15 minutes of prayer, half an hour of prayer, 45 minutes, uh, an hour of prayer, two hours of prayer, whatever you want to sign up for as a family, as individuals, to be part of this church, to come in and say, this time, on this day, I'm going to be praying. We'll have the prayer points available. You can go to the website and find the prayer points. We'll have them available for you to pray, to be joining in with those around this state who are praying the same thing for our state, for revival to come, for the Holy Spirit, for intimacy with the Father, for hearts to be drawn into him, to know him, to have eternal life. And you can sign up for which time you would like to pray during that time frame. 
on Monday evenings, anyway, we have prayer here from 6 to 7. We, that's always open to anybody. On that particular second Monday of the month, we will have uh, that prayer time, but it's going to be very strategically praying the points, praying for our state. We'll have some music. We'll, we'll do some of that praise time, and we'll have that hour to be very specific. So if you wish to come out especially to that one, um, we ask you to come out for that. So we as a church are getting ready to step into that. We're getting ready over the next few weeks to do some prayer initiative to preaching on, on fasting and prayer and what God is calling us into. He has, is definitely calling us into and giving us that opportunity and that, I believe Pastor uh, uh, John said it this morning, giving us that uh, grace and calling out, calling out, calling out to us to join in in what he is doing to hear the heart of the Father, to not at this point say, this is what we want, but we are saying, God, what do you want? And we are coming into alignment with what you want. Give us ears to hear what you are saying. Open our hearts right now to hear what you are saying because we want to join what you are doing and who you are. And we want to join that. John's going to come back up and we're going to kind of close out in some prayer time um, as we... Uh, allow, and so I'm asking you to allow the Holy Spirit to hear what he's saying. One of the things I want to say before, John, uh, before we end with this prayer time, is one of the things that is happening in our state right now, in the last two weeks, there was a bill that was presented to the House, to the, uh, in the state, um, LD-912. Some of you may have heard about that bill. It's called a conversion therapy uh, ban. And what, what that bill entails... Um, it was a very heated, emotional hearing, from what I heard on February 14th. Um, that bill entails any counselor, medical professional, uh, can even extend to parental rights, can possibly extend to clergy, that they are um, saying that you, they're, they're banning them from giving biblical perspective to same-sex attraction to children and to um, gender confusion. So if a child, a minor, is having issues with that, they are trying to pass this to ban licensed professional uh, counselors or medical professionals or anyone of that sort, teachers, to be able to say to them, well, there's a perspective, biblical perspective, we cannot give that anymore. That's the goal of that. So there is a petition that is out by tomorrow. They need a certain amount of signatures to say no. We don't want that. We don't want that voice. We don't want that voice to be banned. We don't want just one option for children that are dealing with same-sex attraction and gender confusion to the only option that they would be given at that time would be, you deal with gender confusion, we encourage you, and we will reassign your gender with surgery. So these are very, I mean, it's, it's not, this is not a fear thing. This is not anything. It's just this is reality of what the enemy wants to do to steal and take identity. So there is... Uh, Petitions in the back that you can sign on your way out. You can also go to cclmaine.org, which is christiancivicleaguemaine.org, and you can sign it right there. It's right on the front page. You can go ahead and sign online also. But we encourage you to, this is one of the things that, as a state, we want to begin getting out there. So let's unite in prayer. Let's, Let's say this is not allowed. The biblical perspective and who God has created us to be. This is the, the things we want to uh, encourage and give to our children. So there's a petition, and what you do when you sign a petition is that petition goes to the legislatures, so they can. They're supposed. Their views are supposed to reflect your views. 
They are our servants. Amen. They are there to do our bidding. And so when we do a petition, that, that is us giving voice to what we believe and instruction to them. And they should honor that. It's, it's the way it's supposed to work. And there are many who hedge about these political issues until they hear from their constituency that, uh, what the will of their constituency is. So when we do a petition as you know, part of a uh, democratic republic, that that's actually what we're doing. So the petitions are in the back, uh, and uh, you, can, you can make those available. Or you can go to that website and sign the petition online if you prefer to do that. Okay? Okay. Um, we know we're getting late, so we want to do this so that nobody misses a ferry or an obligation, because we know that sometimes on Sunday mornings we get close to noon, our schedules get tight. Uh, we would be remiss if we did not pray with you about prayer. <laughs> And, uh, but it would be our distinct uh, privilege and pleasure to do that. So I think what we would like to do in closing today um, is all of us stand. And then as uh, leaders from around the state, as your servants, we would like to pronounce a blessing over you. We would like to, to issue a charge to you as believers who, technically we all are enlisted in the army of the Lord because... We've identified with the blood of Jesus, amen. But in doing that, the, the reality of the kingdom of God is, is grace that flows from Christ to us and then among each other. That commodity, that spiritual commodity called grace, nothing gets done without God's grace being on it. And us receiving grace to work with it and cooperate with what the Lord is doing. He calls us, and then our response is to say, yes, Lord, and open our hands and open our mouths and say, now, Lord, please fill me with what I need to fulfill what you've obviously called me to do that I have recognized now. And so our, our goal today is that whatever grace we are carrying for this prayer thing, and uh, I feel confident in saying we are carrying an abundance of grace all of us involved in this are on fire, burning with this grace. And we would ask the Lord that he would take of what he's put on us, and he'd put it on all of us together. And that as we're dismissed after we pray together, um, if you would like additional prayer, and you feel as though maybe there's a role in this that, that you can't understand, but something is especially burning in you, concerning what the Holy Spirit's doing in the state with prayer. If you'd like to come forward and you'd like us to pray for you as well, uh, individually, we'd be glad to do that. But can we pray together? And uh, the only trick in praying together is we all just have to really open up wide and receive. Amen? Because we don't want to get lost in the crowd. It's personal between us and the Lord, even though the room is full of people. Amen? So um, can we close our eyes? And uh, if... If what we're talking about, really you can find an identification with that, uh, could, you, could we ask you to be so courageous as to do what we all did in school growing up? Lift your hand if that's you. And, uh, and, 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 and as we're praying, we would just call the Lord to make witness of our raised hands and our raised hearts and uh, that he would fill them. Amen. And I'm gonna, Kareth, can I ask you to pray along that line for all of us corporately? 
Father, we come before you in humility and love, lifting our hands to you, Lord. And Lord, we know that lifting our hands is a sign of our openness to you and our submission to you, Lord. And uh, the fact that you want to pour into us your Holy Spirit. You want to pour into us that grace, that grace that would intercede for our land. That grace, Lord God, that would, that would make us uh, a vessel, a vessel, Lord, for pouring out. Lord God, that, that you say that out of the belly flows living water. So, Lord, right now, as we raise our hands, we just ask that you would pour into us your living water, your living water, Lord God, that's healing, that's, um, that brings about life wherever it flows, and that out of us will flow that same living water that will bring life, that as we pray, as we worship you, as we draw close to you, Lord, that you would transform us and that that living water would be transforming that would flow out of us, Lord. We just thank you that you've given all of us a place in your family, a place, Lord God, in your kingdom, in your body, Lord Jesus, that all of us are special, all of us are important, and we have an important place to fill. Help us to stand up to receive from you, and then to be that vessel of outpouring, outpouring of your Holy Spirit around us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's declare this together. Heavenly Father, I receive from you grace that will power me to step up, to step in, and to fulfill the very part that you have called me to in this army an army of prayer in Jesus name Amen